Yeah. Check it out. See, the only thing you need to do right here is snarl your freaking head. It's October 6th, and it's episode 124, and this is the Fantasy Football Auctioneer. I'm your host, Uncle Buckets. The Fantasy Football Auctioneer is the official podcast of thefantasyfootballauction.com, the Internet's only website dedicated to fantasy football auctions. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash fantasyfootballauctioneer, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Fantasy Auction. We also are still running that online, that Twitter all-auction Twitter community. You can uh, follow that group at FF Auction Advice and connect with auction players from all over the world. We've got a great show for you tonight. Tonight, uh, we're going to take a look at week four being over, and it's do-or-die time for many fantasy teams out there. So we're going to help you out and get ready for that mid-season push with waiver wire, fab, and lineup help. We're even going to bring back one of my favorite segments uh, for this uh, quarter season mark. That segment is killing in the name of. But, of course, our experts, well, one of them is here. He's basking in the light of the successful homecoming game. Slam, Muskies win. Muskies win. It was a barn burner. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? I repeat. It was an exciting game, yeah. Um, it's good to get back in the booth, do a little play-by-play. Good to get you back out in the field refing. It was actually kind of fun refing. And I got oh. the comment as I walked across the field, oh, we missed the commentary. And then you came on and, uh, and welcomed everybody to the game, and whoever it was went, oh, he's back. So eyes lit up. So it was good. It was a good turnout, good well, weather. Learn from the best. Yeah, it's a good game. Back and forth, a lot of big plays. Right down to the wire. That was exciting. Good good stuff. Fun day had by all. Fun day had had by all, that's right. And uh, everyone was safe, I think, on uh, uh, after the game, so that's a good thing, too. Mm -hmm. um, We're safe tonight because we don't have Blister. The single parenting slash uh, double hockey tonight, I think... um, Got the best of the big moms. Set them, yeah, I got the best of them. Set them back. So we're going to, uh, when we get to this to the man later on, we're going to hold off. We'll just quickly recap, but we won't go through this week because uh, I don't want to taint. Taint any of the uh, standings. I wouldn't want them to blame something on me for taking for them. So... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on week five as far as picks and we'll, uh, wait till week six to get that rolling again. But we do all, we do have all of our regular segments, uh, coming tonight and we're going to add on, uh, killing in the name of. So, Slim, if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's cock the hammer. It's time for action. All right, so like I said, we're going to look at uh, all things week five here. We're going to get into the first segment here right away. This one's called We Just Got a Letter. 
We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. We just got a letter. It's when we answer questions from our listeners, uh, either from Twitter at Fantasy Auction, or if it's more than 140 characters, you can hit us up on email. It's footballauctioneer at gmail.com. You can also post your questions on the FF Auction Advice Twitter handle. First one here comes from at Hester1157, because 1156 was already taken. Uh, his question is not PPR. Who's the better pickup? Is it Zenner or Michael? Slim, what do you think? Uh, I think at this point it's, it's Zach Zenner. Um, only because he's got maybe a slightly clearer path to some playing time. Uh, with uh, the injuries to Drake Bell. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later in the news, but Michael is going to get worked in a little bit more, but I feel like he's still got uh, McFadden and definitely Joseph Randall there ahead of him. Um, so it, it, it looks to be a little bit tougher for him to, to get in there. Uh, so I'd take Zenner now. And, and hope that Joyke stays injured or can't really come back and maybe he can carve out a little bit of a role and Michael sh- might still always be there, you know, next week or two weeks from now. Yeah, I like Zenner. I like the fact that they um, weren't afraid to put him in there late in the game in pass pro too. So I thought that was a, um, they were in a kind of passing situation. So I thought that was a good, good opportunity for him too. So they're not necessarily afraid to have him, have him on the field. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Head on to uh, Twister, que- Twister question, Twitter question number two from Eric Schaefer. Sorry, at Eric Schaefer seventy three. Is Martavis worth a start? Um, better, and then that's the second question. Part of the question is uh, better flex option here. Is it uh, Danny Woodhead or John Brown? So first one is Martavis worth a start this week? Um, I'm going to say no. I would hope you have better options. Um, even if you had to grab a couple guys off waivers, and we'll get into that a little bit later too, but I own Martavis in a couple pools and I've been waiting for him to come back. Um, I just need to see it for a week, how much he's going to get used first. Uh, if ben, Big Ben was under center, this would be a lot easier of a question, but yeah. with Mike Vick there, we saw Antonio Brown struggle even with Vick. Uh, so... It's no gimme to just throw Martavis into this offense right now and expect production. So you um, updated rankings here tonight, and you have Martavis as uh, yeah, 45, yeah. so definitely a non-start. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this, for the second part, the better flex, um, to me, makes a little bit of a difference if it's a PPR league or not. Uh, I'm going to assume it is a PPR, uh, right or wrong. Uh, no, I think if but, you're thinking about putting Woodhead in, it must be a PPR. That's kind of what I was leaning. Yeah. Um, I I think they're pretty close, actually. I do like Woodhead a little bit more. Uh, I just love that he gets used in the red zone. Um, so, to me, his touchdown chances are are fairly good. Um, and we, we see him, you know, catch uh, a handful of passes every game. He had one big play last week that really helped his fantasy numbers, but... Uh, so, yeah, I, I put the slight lead to Woodhead. All right. And uh, third Twitter question here in third and final. This one's from at Ben Story. This question is, is it okay to drop, drop Jay Stu for Duke Johnson in a 12-team standard scoring? 
This is a tough question because, one, uh, I have a hard time dropping a starting running back on a team. And, and right now that's what Jonathan Stewart is, even though he hasn't been you know, really lighting it up. Uh, and that's not necessarily all his fault. The offense as a whole has just been um, pretty stagnant, we'll say. They don't score tons of points. There's not a lot of big plays. Uh, you know, Cam Newton is more or less doing everything. And just enough for them to win a lot of times. But, um, and, you know, I, I liked Duke Johnston for a long time. We saw him get 10, uh, 10 targets this week, which I, I like. They're going to be down a lot if he can keep emerging himself as this passing down back, which I think he should. Uh, obviously he's got value. The thing is, he's still going to be behind Isaiah Crowell, who's still going to be the early down back for the, by the looks of it. So, do you take this starting running back or uh, this kind of PPR back? It is a standard scoring league, so I'm assuming that's going to be non-PPR. Yeah. Or Duke Johnson then is devalued. So I think I would hang on to Jonathan Stewart or, or wait even. This, there's got to be somebody else even on your roster that you could look to drop. Maybe you've got a second tight end or, I don't know, a second defense, something like that that you might want to look at. I do love Duke Johnson's upside and his big play potential, but uh, in a non-PPR league, I think you want to stick with the, the guy who's getting the majority of the snaps for his offense. Well, and just looking really quick here, Duke Johnson, if we look, has uh, 30, 31 carries, like so half the carries here. I thought it was also blue quickly that I looked at, but um, what I was more going to look at is that even in standard scoring, Duke Johnson outscores Jonathan Stewart overall, Duke Johnson's a 36 right now, as Jonathan Stewart's 42. I thought it's uh, overall. Overall, See, that's, that's according, according to this, set, um, I'm doing just yeah standard scoring yeah. on this is based off of uh, fantasy data, which um, I know a lot of uh, sites are pulling their. Um, well, I'm glad you said that because this question literally came in about 45 seconds we came on the air and I just typed it on the script as we started. Um, and yeah, Duke's 36, Jonathan Stewart is 42. I never guessed that. And now that yeah. you said that, then I think, you know what? I would take Duke then. If he's outscoring him right now in standard scoring, in standard uh, scoring yes. then, yeah, I don't see, I mean, we're seeing his role increase bit by bit every week here now. I don't think he'll ever necessarily just take Crowell out of the picture by any means, but yeah. um, he's going to be in the field a lot just because Cleveland is probably going to be playing from behind a decent amount for the rest of the season. So he has value just in that alone that he's going yeah. to get touches or at least reps in those situations. Um, so, you know, I, I like that. And, uh, yeah. He's outscoring them already, which I, like I said would not have guessed. Standard scoring, then sure, take a flyer on. All right, so PPR scoring. That's uh, then uh, listeners at home play along. Um, Jonathan Stewart right now overall rank in PPR um, over under RB thirty. Under. Okay, over under RB forty. I don't know. Such a shit show down here. <laughs> uh, Probably under. He I don't think he's caught many passes. RB, RB 50 right now. Okay. 
RB50. How many receptions does he have? I bet you he's got less than five. Um, five. Yeah. So now, over under on Duke Johnson in PPR, um, over under uh, 30. Over. He no, he's uh, 23rd right now in PPR scoring. Yeah. Well, I figured maybe like, it's just, you look, um, it's Duke Johnson, 23, Theo Riddick, 24, Rashad Jennings, 25, Charles Sims, 26, Eddie Lacy, 27. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> we kind of talked about this last week. I feel yeah. like they're, they're just yeah, some just, of these names and goes to show you, especially in PPR leagues, how there's zero need to just load up on running backs and early or for big amounts of money in your draft. Number one PPR back right now, Devontae Freeman. I feel great knowing now with all this. I remember listening throughout the summer. It was I can't remember when it was, but John Paulson was on. It was probably his fourth four podcast. Yeah. Actually, may have been a road of his one. Whatever. He threw out the idea and said, you get Levy and Bell, or you get Lacey or Charles, you get one of the top guys who you feel are going to be one or two. Yeah, I remember guys. listening. It was on the four for four because it was that stat about the um, – to, oh, no, it wasn't. It was on Rotoviz, I think, that they yeah. were just talking. I don't know if Paulson was on it, but I think they were talking about his stats. Yeah, it was comparing early, or, well, it was ADP, but early values for running backs versus wide receivers and why you should take wide receivers. And it's showing, right, you know, the high-value yeah. receivers, for the most part, are more consistent than the high-value running backs, unless and you get Levy and Bell who is the guy I targeted as I always had him as my number one PPR running back. We'll see how that goes. But uh, And he was a value in a lot of drafts because I think people were a little bit freaked out by the suspension. But uh, mm-hmm. he's a guy I ended up with a lot of shares in because of that. And I think it's going to look good come the end of the season because I've spent high picks on guys like C.J. Anderson. Uh, that's been terrible. Um so, yeah, I think uh, this will play out quite nicely for the owners that followed something along those lines. To go back to that uh, earlier, the flex question, um, Danny Woodhead right now is RB6 in PPR. I did know that because I own a ton of shares. Uh, RB6. It's huge. Love him. Huge. It's huge. Um, uh, he was one of our guys to target late, right? Yeah, Sleep that's early. right. Get him you, uh, you got your money back on that. Oh. Yeah. No, that was a big move. Make that trade. All right. Well, that's the end of the Twitter questions. We had three of them come in last minute, so that's uh, what we'll answer. Let's move into segment number two, Slim. This one's uh, the Fantasy Football News Buy or Sell. So in the buyer sells, we take a look at the latest fantasy football news headlines, and our experts are slim tonight. We'll uh, let you know if he's buying or selling the implications of that news headline. The first one here is that the Bills sign Dan Heron. So the Buffalo Bills hosted uh, T. Rich and Boom Heron and uh, several other running backs uh, not listed to work out on Tuesday in light of Carlos Williams' recent concussion. After the workouts, the Bills announced they have signed uh, Dan Heron. So, Slim, buy or sell that boom is a boom or bust play this week, but he definitely has RB2 upside, considering that uh, Shady may not be playing. I'm going to sell. Uh, 
I think Carlos plays. I think he gets a fair amount of reps. I don't think Boob sees a ton of, of work, just some spot duty and maybe passing situations and things like that. So I, I don't like him as an RB2, um, and I'm not too concerned at this moment about Carlos Williams not playing. All right. Uh, headline number two, the Raiders still trust Latavius Murray. So this is uh, um, according to ESPN with the game. On the line in the fourth quarter at Chicago on Sunday, the Raiders uh, had Latavius Murray sitting on the bench after gaining 139 yards in rushing. He sat on the sidelines uh, when push came to shove late in the fourth, and Roy Hallou, the third down back, got, got the majority of the snaps late in the game. Uh, Jack Del Rio says that he would characterize it as uh, using members of his football team in a fashion that gives ourselves an opportunity to win. And then I threw up just a little bit in my mouth uh, from from that cliche line. Anyways, uh, Slim, so here's the question. Buy or sell? Uh, fantasy football players should be worried about starting Latavius Murray in Week 5. Uh, no, I don't think you need to be worried. I mean, to me, this is just a move that this is – the NFL nowadays, unless you are Levy and Bell, Jamal Charles, uh, Matt Forte, or Eddie Lacy, guys like that that uh, don't ever really come out of a game, are fairly game script, uh, insulated, doesn't matter if you're winning or losing, they're involved, no matter what. Um, we saw it with Jeremy Hill a couple weeks ago. You put the ball on the ground, it doesn't matter what you've done previous to that there's a good chance you're going to find some pine and lose some touches. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit surprised that Kalu hasn't got more work throughout the season. Uh, I like him as a, as a deep sleeper this year. Uh, I think he's pretty talented. He's got a, a pretty uh, wide-ranging skill set. I think he's a good runner. He can catch passes. So, uh, to me, he's a decent guy to have on your, on your football team. But, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, so it was a bad day for him. They rode the hand that was hot at the time. We see it quite a lot in the NFL. So uh, I think he'll get Latavius should get plenty of opportunity to uh, bounce back this week. And I have him as a very high end RB two this week, or even low end RB one. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. Well, he is RB seven in PPR right now. I mean, he's uh, 68 carries for just under 300 yards already. And 16 targets in the passing game too. So, um, I mean, you can see where Hulu isn't getting a whole lot of whole lot of love in um, even the third down situations. With you know, 16 targets is a fair amount of targets coming out of the backfield for a guy who yeah. is supposed to have a third down. So four games. Yeah. Not too shabby. I mean, catching four balls a game. That's pretty nice little. Um, Helps to pad the stat line just a bit, eh? All right, so um, speaking of padding the um, stat lines, uh, Arian Foster, he's uh, he was back in week four, and he came out of uh, week four as considered as uh, fine, so he didn't hurt himself anymore, so that's good. So he returned, he returned from the uh, groin injury, um, and on the very first play, he caught a pass for 15 yards, so I'm sure that everybody that decided – to not put him in or to put him in, you know, there's mixed emotions after that very first offensive play. Uh, he did end the game. He only had eight carries for 10 yards and three passes for 25 yards, but he seemed to come out healthy, which which was good. I thought that was an interesting play. Like we always talk, or 
they always talk to Texans that they're bringing him back and they're going to feed him the rock. They're going to make sure he's well-rested so that he comes back 100%. And, I mean, he had 13 touches, which isn't, isn't huge, especially for Aaron Foster. Anyways, he came out fine. He wasn't injured. And uh, they say he's going to be ready for the Thursday nighter against Indianapolis. So slim buy or sell that Foster is an RB1 this week, and he will be the rest of the season. I'd buy that. Uh, I have him as a mid-range RB1. I actually had him, I think, as my RB5 or something like that last week. I went on a limb a little bit. Um, you know, the touches don't worry me. They were getting their ass kicked really right out of the gate. Uh, they knew they had a short week coming. I feel like, you know, once they knew it was out of reach, they probably said, what's the point of us rolling him out here uh, for another 30 plays and risking him getting, you know, setting a setback or something like that when they're on a short week. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen him rush for a little bit better, uh, you know, average, but I like, obviously, he was involved in the passing game. That's a good sign. Um, but the Texans as a whole just looked pretty awful, especially for the first half, the first half when, when Mallet was in there. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's just good he was out there. He got, he got some reps, um, didn't get injured. And I think, uh, yeah, we know he puts up tons of points when he's out there. So, uh, buckle up and get ready for a solid 20 point average here as long as he stays healthy. Well, and the guys that decided to spend some money on Foster and Gurley, let's say, and went, we're just going to ride this, ride this out a little bit, um, are going to start, I think, reaping the rewards. If, if Foster stays yeah. healthy and what we saw out of Gurley last week, um, that's changing a lot of fantasy leagues. I think those, uh, yeah. week four, week five, I think will be a big, big shift for some guys who were struggling. But had guys on their bench. Often, you just have to weather the storm. I know, even in our home auction league, I kind of, I didn't have Foster, but I had Gurley, Levy and Bell, Martavis Bryant, um, and it was just more or less weather the storm for the first four weeks. Yeah, go two and two if you well, can. Well, that was the goal, two and two. I went one and three. Uh, beat me this week, though. Levy and thankfully has been contributing. So it was encouraging to see Gurley coming in, and I can finally, I think, start thinking about plugging him into my starting lineup now. Um, so hopefully now, if you have things, you you waited. Uh, you probably got Foster for a pretty good price, I would think, because there was a lot of talk that he was going to be out for a lot longer than this. So uh, hopefully he stays healthy for him. That's a big well, deal. and um, in our big home auction we were head-to-head this week, and you did uh, reign supreme. Le'Veon Bell uh, definitely was 28 points. Helped, yeah. helped you out. And um, my big-name running back, C.J. Anderson, didn't. But uh, a good run, Devontae Freeman, which then you'd think would help to even that out. But um, in big trouble at the at the receiver position. So I just, I mean, I had to play both. Both Saints uh, receivers because, I that. and I should have thrown Decker in. I I missed it because of the early start. Um, I thought I I went in to go change yeah. it. It was early in the morning. I went to yeah. and uh, and I missed it. And I got to start. Yeah, I got to start making some some moves. With Sammy Watkins being out, I thought I'd be able to have him in there and then have a little bit of a hope. But you got me head to head this week in the uh, big auction. Thanks for giving me my first win of the season. Hey, anything I can do to help out the FFA. 
Uh, I'll remember as that. As long as we keep it in the family, right? That's the that's the yeah, key. I'm okay. doing too. I'm doing all right. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be You're okay. I gotta, I gotta do some waiver uh, waiver moves though. The bench is suspect, to say the least. Brandon Coleman didn't do anything that what I thought he would might be able to do. So yeah. have to start doing some stuff. Yeah. All right, um, let's move on to the uh, next news item. The Falcons expect to have Tevin Coleman back for week five. So um, the Falcons are third in the NFL in points per game through the first four weeks of the season, and their offense could get another piece back as they try to improve the 5-0 and this week. So Dan Quinn uh, says that they're hoping that Tevin Coleman gets a little bit of work here on Wednesday, and then hopefully they'll have him back with them for the weekend. So some buy or sell with uh, Coleman coming back. That's the end of Devontae Freeman's reign as a high-end RB1 or as the number one overall um, RB. Yeah, I saw something that's the fastest. I can't remember the stat, but something about how many touchdowns he scored. It was the fastest uh, at the start of season or quickest get to get to seven, seven scores or already. Or, yeah. Yeah, like, and he broke 100 points. In and he did it in two games? Or no, I guess, anyway, what do you have, three, three and one, something like that? But anyway, uh, back to the question, I will buy that this is the end if Tevin plays, but I will put an asterisk beside it because I'm not confident that he is going to play just yet or at least get enough carries to supplant him this week. Obviously, when he comes back and is, you know, relatively fully healthy, uh, they go back to some type of timeshare, I, I think. Tim McCollum was looking good before he got injured. Um, you know, up until last week, Devontae Freeman, even though he's scoring all these touchdowns, his, his yards per carry average wasn't anything great. Um, so, well, yeah. It was I, 4, I 4.7 and 4.9 in the last two games. I thought it was yards per attempt, just according to this game. I'm looking at right now. Week four? What was Week it? four, he was 4.9. He had 14 attempts for 68 yards and three scores. Five receptions for 81 yards. 14 attempts for how many yards? For 68. I'd like so to go back to that, though, and see. Was there one big run, though, that I can't Yeah, there could have been. I don't remember. I think it was something that he was averaging close to two yards per carry or something. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, I know last week because I, I, that was one of the games I watched a lot actually because I had Julio and DeAndre going head to head. I just wanted to watch those two. But, um, yeah, I know he had an awesome game this week as far as uh, average and everything. He caught some nice passes, one really nice long one. Um, but anyway, I think, yeah, they go back to a timeshare and, uh, it's going to be a mess trying to predict again who is going to, be the star in any given week. So enjoy this while you can. Yeah. I want to take three minute owners, but I tried and I still couldn't be. Or if you have trading, you might want to even try and sell really hot. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's um, he's had uh, 70 touches in the last three weeks. Well, I will say being up, uh, what the hell is this morning? Uh, yeah. 57 well, to nothing at halftime last week didn't hurt his cause or whatever it was. <laughs> it was definitely like close to 30. But, yeah. Uh, boy, it's been, uh, it's been ridiculous. Uh, well, I'll check him. Yeah. No, it's been ridiculous. So, all right, let's move on to even more ridiculous, which was, uh, 
Somebody that lots of guys spent a lot of money on. What's that? I wish Bruce was here to talk to this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so CJ Anderson and Ronnie Hillman are expected to split carries according to uh, Gary Kubiak. So, I mean, we saw it on the weekend. CJ Anderson and Ronnie Hillman uh, divided the carries equally um, between the two of them. And we saw that it, I mean, Ronnie Hillman just looked to see the holes better and carry the rock better. He, he just Every time the CJ had the ball, it just looked like he was getting smothered and, and had, uh, had nowhere to go. So it looks like... Um, they're going to be moving forward with the two of them splitting carries. As Kubiak said, we'll keep going the way we're going. I see them both as starters, to be honest with you, he says. So, um, Slim, buy or sell. Let this be a lesson to never listen to the preseason hype about um, this coach always, which is what we heard, right? Kubiak just is going to feed his RB1. And the second part of that buy or sell, Slim, is uh, never draft an uh, Denver RB to be your RB1. Just thinking of Monty Ball last year. Oh, uh, well, I will, I, I guess I'll sell the first part. I don't necessarily, I, I believe in, I think a lot of this comes down to the Denver offensive line. They're, they're just bad. If they were decent, I think Kubiak would love nothing more than to be able to feed, uh, his stud, whoever that is. I'm not gonna yeah. say it's necessarily CJ Anderson. I mean, I personally think, I thought this all last year, C.J. Anderson was the best running back they had in this team. I'm not going to go against that. I think he does a lot of things really well. I don't think Ronnie Hillman's bad, though, either. Uh, but I think that we haven't been able to see C.J. Anderson do much because of this offensive line. And even Ronnie Hillman last week, it, most of the a big chunk of his production Total production came on one play. Yeah, he took a seventy-yard touchdown to the house. Uh, after that, he didn't do anything really. Um, so he's fighting the same crappy offensive line play that C.J. Anderson is. Um, so, I mean, I guess the ball is we should have saw this coming. I mean, I talked about it with people about Virgil Green who thought, "Oh, yeah, you got to take Virgil Green." And, I looked at that as that's a move they brought in at this blocking tight end because they realized their offensive line is garbage. Right. Uh, he's not there to catch passes. He's there to keep Peyton Manning from getting killed every week. Um, so I kind of kicked myself because I realized the offensive line was bad, and yet I still made picks of taking C.J. Anderson fairly you high. Just, you you just thought with the, he's going to get 20-plus touches every game. I did think there would be lots of touches. Right. Yep, yeah. and I would didn't think it would be this tough sledding for him. Um, so I regret that. And I will say the one pool that I do have, it's in the fishbowl. I picked at the end of the first round after the top seven running backs had gone before him. And I will say I was I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, because I remember I came down to I take Des Bryant or C.J. Anderson. So I would have ended up with Des Bryant, uh, which would have been just as bad, so... Yeah, just uh, as bad, was, except for if he comes back week seven, then... Well, that's true. I guess if he does come back, uh, by then, probably, I'd be so far behind <laughs> that he wouldn't be able to get me into the playoffs, but... Yeah, especially in that league, because it starts early. Yeah, it does. Anyway, I'm pretty much screwed in that one, so... Uh, 
it is what it is. That's what it is. That's uh, I'm ranked in the uh, I think the top 65 of that league right now. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay awesome. over there. I think Blister's just inside 100. If I look today after week four, I think he's at like 95. I think I'm at 64 or something like that. I didn't see you on the. Uh... Nah, I don't know. Top wild, <laughs> top picks. Let's see. I took CJ in the first. Oh, Demarius. But all right. But then I took Cooks fairly early. Those oh. kind of killed me there. Thank God I ended up with Julian Edelman. He's oh, yeah. helped a lot. But, uh, yeah, my running backs are brutal in that one. But that's what happens when you go RB. Uh, it's the late round RB approach. And yeah. Hasn't come to fruition yet, so. <laughs> All right, well, uh, speaking of brutal running backs, uh, Kristen Michael now apparently will be part of the mix for the Cowboys uh, heading into this week against the Patriots. So according to DallasCowboys.com, with Lance Dunbar being um, out for the season after uh, his knee injury on the weekend, now the attention will turn to Darren McFadden, Joseph Randall, and Kristen Michael. Head coach uh, Jason Garrett said that he expects all three to have roles um, this week when they face the Patriots. So mentioned that they're going to constantly be evaluating things, and uh, especially with Lance Dunbar being out, they're going to make him competitive, make the guys earn it. He says, we anticipate that uh, Kristen Michael will be a part of the mix this week along with uh, Darren McFadden and Joseph Randall, and uh, he'll see as the week goes on. So, Slim, buy or sell. Really, who cares about Kristen Michael? It's Joseph Randall. He's going to be huge because he's going to get um, a lot of those targets that, that Dunbar had moving forward. I'm going to sell it um, because I think that I don't think you can just write off Michael. Uh, I will say this. I was surprised last week when Dallas had the ball. I think it was on like the one or the two, and they didn't bring him in because that's what I thought right. his role would be as the goal line back there. Yeah. A little bit bigger guy who can just smash them between the tackles and short yardage. And they didn't use that. I don't know if that's because they didn't trust him in that role yet, uh, which seems a little odd. I mean, yeah, what did you bring him in for? Any running back to just run that play. Like, there's no. Yeah, it's a dive. You've been running yeah. since Pop Warner. Exactly. So I was a little surprised at that. And it kind of made me think, oh, okay, well, maybe we're all getting way too excited, which we should all be used to. Everybody gets excited about Kristen Michael no matter what. So, uh, whether it's the Combine or drafted by the Seahawks to be Marshawn Lynch or whatever. It just always seems to kind of overreact. But I do think he'll have some sort of, obviously, a role. I just don't know how much it's going to be. If he'll be. I don't think he'll ever be a week-in, week-out fantasy reliable running back unless some guys get injured. I don't think Randall necessarily fills the Dunbar target. I mean, to me, Dunbar had a very unique skill set that none of these guys can do. If anything, I think you see a little bit of Cole Beasley kind of pick up that slack uh, with some of those screen passes and things of that nature. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm not sure what the roles are going to be yet. I still think Randall is going to have the bulk of everything. But, I mean, all it takes is one good game or one injury and, yeah. and Michael can, can get in there. So, I don't think you just throw him away, but 
Uh, you just kind of maybe keep an eye on him and, and get ready to pounce quickly if need be. All right. Well, we got a couple more news items here. Um, the Dolphins have fired uh, their head coach, Joe Philbin. Um, this is the second straight season that the that an NFL coach has been fired after losing in London in week four. Um, things just weren't going well. Not only they have a poor poor record um, so far this season, especially considering that Miami had those high expectations, but it was the way that the Dolphins had lost that cost him his job. Um, Miami had the worst home opener in franchise history against Rex Ryan, and um, you know the studs on the defensive line have done absolutely nothing. They can't move the football. It's uh, it's been poor to say the least. So he's gone, and you know maybe he was a little bit too soft and a little bit a uh, um, little bit loose as uh, some of the reports that I had heard. But um, moving forward here, Slim, buy or sell that this coaching change is really going to have zero impact on fantasy football. So um, uh, of no interest to us. I'm going to buy it for this year, obviously. I just think I I just have a hard time seeing him just turning it around right now. A guy that has zero coaching experience, uh, no matter how much he's liked. He was, a tight, he was a tight end coach. Yeah, well, yeah, I talk about <laughs> head coaching experience. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, I, if you haven't even been a coordinator, I don't, I don't know how you just jump into this role. We're seeing this in San Francisco even. Uh, the players can like you all you want, but it doesn't necessarily just mean you're going to have a, they're going to play lights out for you. Uh, so I can't see this just reviving everything going on there. To me, there's a whole lot of problems. The culture there just seems awful. I mean, we knew this firing was going to happen 10 minutes into this game by the way the Dolphins came out. Uh, it just, yeah. It's it's a mess there, and I think it's going to take an off season to really kind of figure out who they have to get rid of and who they need to bring in potentially to do that. All right, well, buy or sell that this new head coach has the largest shoulders of any head coach in the NFL. I'll probably buy that. He's gigantic. Oh no, I remember him from Hard Knocks. He was just a, a chew, snuff chewing. Beast of a man. No, he yeah. played, I think he played 10 years in the NFL, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Like Apple. yeah. All right. So. Let's move into the last um, buy or sell here, Slim. Um, the Chargers will welcome back Antonio Gates for week five. So the veteran tight end returns to Charger Park and begins preparation for his first regular season game against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Uh, of course, we remember he's suspended for the first four weeks of the season for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Now, the Darius Green filled in pretty good. I mean, he didn't play week three, which you were hoping, Slim, when we were at yeah. uh, TCF Stadium. Mm-hmm. But um, he filled in all right, but now Philip Rivers has got his security blanket back. And um, like Rivers said, we're excited to get him back in there. He helps us on the field and in the locker room. Uh, we certainly missed him. So it'll be a plus. We're acquiring a Hall of Fame free agent here in about 24 hours. And that was uh, last night. So Slim, buy or sell, Gates just becomes an instant tight end one this year, uh, especially considering the horse crap that is uh, the tight end position this year. I'm buying it. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be a tight end three every week, but 
going to be in the top 12, and I think he can do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm buying. Uh, as long as his body can hold up, I think uh, you're trotting him up here every week. It's, uh, the uh, tight end it position has just been a, yeah. Like, what a fall from grace. Jimmy Graham, I think I have him as my tight end 8 or 9 this week. He's, uh, I saw he's JK, tight end 10 right now. Uh, tweet out on the Monday night game that he was going to be their top screaming option when they did their pod. No kidding. And everyone got a chuckle and all those comments about that. But, uh, <laughs> it's just, that's like what has happened there. And I'll admit I missed on that big time. I thought he was still going to be pretty easy. I don't know how you get a weapon like that and like take him off the field and third to third and longs. And yeah. Like, just blows me away. And they but, and they always play them, um, you know, like connected to the O line, right? They don't give them that that spacing yeah, and that ability to space. work the seam. And he has as many Why targets. Would you do that? That's never worked in the past, has it? Yeah, no kidding. He has as many targets as uh, Gary Barnage and uh, um, Eric Ebron and there was one uh, player, Larry Donnell and Kyle Rudolph. Like he, it like, was third and seven yeah. or something. They took him out and brought in Luke Wilson and then threw the ball out Luke Wilson, who didn't catch it. And I'm thinking, all right, what, yeah. what the hell is that? Like, I had, I could not figure out for the life of me what that decision was or who made it, why they would do that. Like, I don't know. And just because we're on tight ends, can I ask you what happened to Zach Ertz this year? Well, I used another one. Nice. They're just terrible, but, like, unbelievable. Yeah, well... I think I put him in a waiver and I was dropping him. I only own him in... I own him everywhere. I think I only got him in two pools, but... uh, And one of them is my backup to Gronk, so, I mean, hopefully that's the only time I had to use him last week, but... Yeah, no. He's caught ten balls. But that's just part of the whole Philly uh, offense, just crushing everybody's dreams. And remember when Sam Bradford, not to go off on this huge tangent, but we yeah. were doing we were doing our live draft uh, for our home, you know, our home, yep. and we were sitting around Buddy's garage, and Bradford went off in that preseason game and had that. Just three touchdowns. Right, right. Just looked sick, and everybody was just like, oh, boy. Man, give me some Bradford. Give me some <laughs> offense. I need some shares of this. And what the hell happened there? Gong show. Yeah, Absolutely. And then, you He's know, you flip it around, and we didn't give, you know, like Charles Clay the, the time of day really heading in because now he's in Buffalo, and, you know, I mean, we slept on Eifert, I guess, and that was okay, but, I mean... Well, we all knew that there was a good chance he was going to become a breakout, though, Eifert. Yeah, yeah. Opportunity, I guess. Yeah, well, no, that's, I mean, we kind of slept on him. We kind of knew that that's where, um, that he had a good ceiling. Yes. Right? Well, but, we always touted him as a value. Yeah, Are you going yeah, to sure. going late? But, uh, for sure. All right, well... What's that? So they didn't end up getting them anywhere, though, either. No, neither. Um, I've owned them in years past, and he's done nothing for me, so that's no good. 
Anyways, uh, let's uh, move on to segment number three here. So Matt was buy or sell. So segment number three, let's move in and take a look at waiver wire and fabs. Uh, this one is called live wire. So live wire, like we're talking about, we take a look at your uh, um, fab budget. We take a look at waiver wire and guys that you should be targeting heading into week five. Um, Slim, who are you looking at for week five? Uh, one of the top guys I have is Ronnie Holman. Uh, we talked about him earlier. This news is going to be this timeshare. Um, he looks as good as anything they have in the Denver backfield. Um, I think, you know, if you're a C.J. Anderson owner, you probably, maybe you own him already. If you don't, I would spend up to 15% of my budget to go get him. I think just for an average owner, you're looking somewhere around 10. But, uh, you know, I would still think about going up to 15 if I needed to to get him. All right. Um, and, yeah, and I think if you're going to have a timeshare there, and he's going to get decent target or de- decent um, carries and targets, I guess. Um, yeah, he's a he's a good value. Who else is uh, sitting on the waiver there for you, Slim? Uh, Duke, my boy. Um, again, we talked about him. His his workload seems to be slowly increasing. Um, so yeah, I'm spending ten percent to go get him. Uh, like I said before, I like the fact that he was targeted ten times in the in the passing game. Uh, that's what he can do. He was drafted, uh, I think, as somebody we all thought he could be a, a good weapon in the passing game out of the backfield. So if you can live up to any of that, then definitely he's worth the, worth the 10% you can spend to get him. Pick up there. All right, and um, wide receivers, anyone you're targeting? Uh, well, Alan Hearns, uh, I, I've played him in DFS the last two weeks. It has worked out pretty nicely. Uh I think, you know, 10% of your budgets to get him uh, is, is a decent amount. We know about Allen Robinson. Uh, I've never been high on Marquise Lee, and he's still been injured all year, so Hearns has carved out this nice role. Um, I think it would be tough for Lee to come back and just take him out of that. Uh, another guy is Leonard Hankerson. Uh, Roddy White appears to be on the decline pretty considerably right now, and with what Julio's doing, he's going to draw tons of attention. And we've seen it, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, Hankerson's becoming more and more involved. And last week, he had a, a really nice game uh, because Julio, you know, was relatively shut down. Um, so I think you can look to see that a lot. And we've seen this offense putting up points and moving the ball. So there should be a lot of opportunity for Hankerson in the future as well. Both Hankerson and Hearns are only owned in 21% of Yahoo leagues. So that's 79% of leagues that uh, they're available. And, yeah, I mean, why not, uh, especially with the bye weeks and stuff coming through, and they're, they're putting, up, putting up substantial numbers. So, well, substantial. I mean, more than a lot of these guys that you were uh, um, planning on playing. So uh, definitely I would take a look there too. Um, got anyone else on the list, one? Uh, just one more, really. I mean, there's quite a few this week. I'm not going to lie, especially, I guess, with bye weeks coming up. But, uh, you know, Jay Cutler can be a guy that you might want to target. But uh, Willie Sneed, uh, he's to me interesting in deeper leagues. Uh, a lot of hype was with Brandon Coleman earlier this year. He hasn't been able to seem to, to do much with that. And we've started to see Willie Sneed uh, 
edge him out in terms of uh, playing time. Uh, the last few weeks, Coleman's um, snap numbers have dropped, and Sneed's have increased, and we've seen Sneed actually catching more passes now than Coleman, so I think it's safe to say that for the, the next little while, Sneed is going to be a better weapon than Brandon Coleman, so if you want to go out and get five, spend 5% of your budget and put in a bid on, on Sneed, I don't think that's a bad play. Um, yeah, so he's, I just, just because you said that, I thought I'll call it up. He's receiving 42 snaps per game right now, so 50, just about 50% of the of the snap production. And if I look at Coleman right now, let's just say that. If I, I want to say Coleman was only in on a third of the snaps this week. That's just, of course, it's and you know what, actually, yeah, maybe in this past week, I don't have it as a, as a game log, but, uh, He's been in 177 snaps, so he's been in seven more seven more times over the course of the season than Snead. But Snead's been bringing up the snaps, from what I've noticed, and Coleman's been dropping. I picked Snead up last week and in a couple of different leagues just because I just was seeing the trend kind of moving that way, and I thought if I could get on it before. He's uh, a goofy-looking guy out there, though, or is that just me? Uh, no, he doesn't look like uh, your <laughs> prototypical NFL receiver. Yeah. Right. Well, it's making sure that I was on the same Have a good Halloween costume, maybe. <laughs> you think you could pull it off? I mean, maybe last year the Cole Beasley uh, Halloween costume because there was more hair. Well, I'm the same size as him, so I think that's yeah. Well, there, <laughs> just yeah. to say that's not complimenting Cole Beasley, by the way. <laughs> Why? Look at you on the camera. You're huge, laid back on the couch there. Well, I know. Well, the camera also adds what twenty pounds. So. Oh, uh, yes, obviously. Um, I mean, I'm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, live wire. Slim rattled off uh, five or six guys that you should be taking a look at. Um, right now, I mean, my big thing on the live wire or on waiver wire is that defense. I've been running the Carolina D. Everywhere, almost. I think I yeah. have them in four or five different leagues, and now they're on the buy. Now they're buy. I have that problem in a couple leagues this week too. So I'm uh, targeting a uh, one defense. I think will help try to get me through this week, and then oh, this is where you get so nervous, eh? Is that because uh, I don't want to drop Carolina because they've been too good on D, right? So normally you're you're going to drop them, so now I'm going to hold this defense because I'm not really streaming a defense. So I'm holding a roster spot for my defense, which sucks, but you want to make sure that you still have a, def- a, a defense to play this week. Do you want to yeah. bid, but do you want to bid too much? Oh, it's nerve-wracking. Wednesday night's nerve-wracking. Anyways, uh, after curling, right? It's after the curling we head on up. We uh, we email or we tweet the underscore zoobs and then we get the notification and everyone jumps to their phone. Did you get him? Did you get him? It's fun. I like it. Anyways, uh, so that's the end of the live wire. Let's, how about we do this? How about we quickly run through this as a man and then we'll go to killing the name of to wrap it up. Sure. Does that work for you? Okay. So, um, let's just quickly go through this as the man and uh, I'm not even going to give it the big intro or anything and I probably won't even find it to play the music. So that's fine. But let's just uh, break down what happened in week four because it wasn't overly exciting because the guys weren't split on anything. And uh, But we can take a look. Actually, you were fairly accurate across uh, the board. I mean, I think if you break 50% on these tough picks, it's not 
It's not too bad. So in week four, the guys um, took a look at quarterbacks, and uh, it was Derek Carr versus Ryan Tannehill. This was a barn burner, less than half a point. But both guys took Derek Carr over Tannehill, and they were victorious. At the running back position, it was Isaiah Crowell versus Dougie Martin, and uh, Doug Martin was sensational. Yeah, over over twenty five points in PPR. So um, both of you took Crowell, which I think is probably the right pick, anyways. But um, the muscle hamster, you got a lot of touches and. Would you say explosive? Does that count? Um, no, I wouldn't no. say explosive. I'm trying to think of a better word, but I couldn't. So, okay. I don't know what to say. I'm just leaving it with dead air. All right. <laughs> the uh, um, second running back uh, matchup was Todd Gurley versus Blau Powell. Um, Powell yeah. did nothing. Um, well, because Ivory went nuts. So, and Todd Gurley, I mean, he. Already looked like he's the guy who we really thought he was going to be, right? In his first, like, let's say. Yeah, it's a real nice role, right? in that lock in that game. He's the tough defense. Like, Arizona's no slouch. And yeah. He had a couple nice, chilled speed. Uh, I love the plays where he just didn't run out of bounds late in the game. He just stayed in, Dipped the turned the claw, kept it running, made Arizona take timeouts. Like, Smart. And I mean, we all heard the commentators, but that one down the sideline at the end of the game where he just slows up and slows up and waits for it. And he knows not to go out of bounds. And mm-hmm. that's what they were saying, you know, is that in the college game, they stop the clock anyways there, so who cares? But uh, already knowing the situation and uh, under, understanding how to best help your team, I think that's uh, pretty cool to see out of a rookie, really. In, I mean, well, it's the second game, but his first. You know, where he's getting a bunch of carries and really into it. So. Yeah, where he got the lead, lead dog yeah. type work. So, and a chance, like, they were winning a lot of that game, too. So, a chance to, you know, control the clock and hang on to the ball and pick up first downs and things like that. Like, you did a good job. So, both of you took Powell, and uh, obviously we're not yeah. uh, correct on that one. So, we're going to move on to the wide receiver position. We looked at Ty Montgomery versus uh, Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, both of you took Teddy Ginn, and you were both right. He had a good game at fifteen point eight, yeah, and so. uh, and I yeah, and I played him uh, in DFS too. He was a nice little cheap play, and when he's scoring like that too, it makes a. I chickened out. I had him in all my lineups, and I pulled the pin. Well, and I put him in last minute. I had hesitated before, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm going back. I made the change Sunday morning. So both of you took uh, Ted Ginn, and you're both uh, correct. And then at the second wide receiver, it was Cole Beasley versus Marquez Colston, and you both took Beasley. And he had a nice game at uh, over 12 points, so scoring points there. At the tight end position, you both took Eric Ebron, who unfortunately got dinged up. And uh, didn't didn't produce the way we'd hoped. Um, but Colby Fleener with a 23 smash against the Jags. Grandpa Hopsel back in there, throwing him the rock. Yeah, that's right, eh? And then uh, at the flex position, we had Alan Hearns versus Leonard Hankerson. And another nice barn burner. Both guys, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, really putting in quite a season here. Hearns wins with a 28.6, but Hankerson no slouch at 22.3. 
And then at the DST, both of you took the Atlanta Falcons, and well, we know what happened there. So the Falcons uh, scored 21 points to the Redskins, six points. So the running total um, in week four, both of you, um, because you didn't split on anything, both of you got five points, and it uh, keeps a five-point gap for you, Slim, 18 to 12. Six. Don't, don't six get points, me. Sorry. I'm sorry, six-point gap. Uh, Slim's at 18 overall and Blister at 12. So we don't have anything going forward for week five because Blister's not here and I don't want to cheat him or whatever or cheat Slim because I picked better than Blister or whatever the case may be. So we don't want to do any of that. So uh, we'll just leave it and carry it on on week six because we know that uh, not only is there pride on the line, but there is uh, 24 suds waiting for someone at the end of the season. So we'll, we'll leave her alone. And we'll move into our last and, uh, well, a segment we, we used some last year and we haven't hit on yet this year. Uh, this one is when we rant a little bit about what we've seen so far in fantasy football. This one is called Killing in the Name of. Killing in the Name of! So Killing in the Name of, like I said, is, uh, when we take a look at something, that uh, we're killing in the name of fantasy football. Slim, do you have something that you're killing in the name of fantasy football? Well, not so much fantasy. I mean, we could just go, I guess. One thing that jumped out to me, and this wasn't in fantasy, but this this weekend, um, was how bad offensive lines in the NFL look. Like, I'm trying to think this, like, I know... Watched a bit of the Niners game, obviously, as a Niners fan. Horrendous. Uh, that Monday night game was two of the worst offensive lines in the NFL going head-to-head by the looks of it. Uh, yeah. It just felt like there was a common theme in a lot of games. You heard the announcers talking about how bad the offensive line's line is for this team. And I don't I don't understand what what's going on. Like, this is where the, that... Pro teams are missing on top end talent. Like I think of a few guys, you know, Jacksonville, Kansas City, uh, you know, St. Louis. The last few years have spent high picks on on tackles that may or may not pan out. They haven't maybe so far. Um, Billy's offensive line comes to mind too right now. Like, what the, how is this happening? Like. College games, we still see these these great running performances. Uh, you know, they pass. They run a lot of a lot of uh, schools still run these pro style offenses uh, where there's lots of passing and things. How are these kids coming out so ill prepared to play at the NFL level? I, I don't understand where this transition is failing. Is this defensive lineman that much better? I don't think so. No, I don't know. So. Just can't figure this out. And, you know, the Colts. What the hell have they ever done to address their offense? Like, they didn't have Andrew Luck there. I don't think the head coach and the GM would probably have been a fired last year. So I, I, I just, uh, yeah. I don't know. It just blows my mind. Like, how these teams are building better offensive lines. How they're not equating success in the NFL to offensive line play. You look at some of the worst teams in the NFL right now, record-wise, you could they would have some of the worst offensive line, for sure. 
So for sure. And that affects your fantasy game because these guys that you're expecting to go well, off as running backs just they don't. You're right. We see it in Denver right now. We're seeing it in Philly. We saw it last night with uh, Detroit. Like, did they run the ball at all? No. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing it even in San Francisco with Hyde. He had one good game, game one, uh, first week, and he struggled since then. He was the second coming after that. Right, uh, that's right. The spin move, you could, right? You could have sold him for whatever you wanted to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it does. It kills a running game. And, hey, look at the running back stats. Uh, why are all these, why is Danny Woodhead the sixth-ranked running back in PPR leagues? Is it because he's a, a better actual running back between the tackles? Or is it because they say, oh, guess what? We're not having success running the ball. Let's just pass it to him. I don't know. Right. Well, and for me, um, I guess there's two things. I mean, and we talk about it, and it's everybody's rant is the just the Philly offense in general. As a Cowboys fan, I love that they suck. But uh, as a fantasy football owner and a Jordan Matthews owner and, you know, it's just it, – and a Zach Ertz owner, it, it's impossible almost. It's impossible to watch. And I can't imagine if you were a DeMarco Murray owner this year. And you would have spent good money on him, and he is completely disappointed, and Chip Kelly's completely disappointed for you. But, I mean, I think that's a pretty common theme. And I, I'm i going to rant, though. I'm going I'm killing in the name of fantasy football. I'm killing kickers in the name of yeah. fantasy football. And I know that's uh, um, we've eliminated kickers in our leagues, and this is the exact reason why, Slim. The, yeah. the amount of clutch... Field goals that have been missed is—it's unbelievable. I mean, these guys—they just kick the ball, and I mean, it, this is what they get paid the big bucks for, right? I mean, we're watching the uh, the other night, and it's the the kid from New Orleans. Um, oh, uh, Hawker? Yeah, yeah. He he was a goalie in the MLS a short time ago. And now he's kicking in the NFL, and then you wonder why he's shanking kicks when uh, push comes to shove. I mean, half the league. Well, I'm just looking quickly here at that um, at field goal percentage, and there are 13, 14 guys that are already under 80 percent. And these guys aren't. I mean, you know, you look at Blair Walsh. His long right now is 38 yards. I mean that's a field. That's an extra point. Yeah. That's he it's. You missed, uh, missed one at the game. We were at a Um, I don't recall. Let me click on his game log here, and I'll uh, and I'll let you know. Um, no, he was uh, one for one for twenty four yards. Somebody tweeted out this weekend that after all these missed kicks, uh, that just must be it shows that Justin Tucker is. The Gronk of kickers. And some people lost their mind. I don't, don't they didn't, <laughs> it was a joke or it was just like, it was quite funny to read. Some well, of I don't know. I mean, Hauschka is 10 for 10. Um, you know, I mean, the Gronk of kickers, I mean, not just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but uh, Dan Bailey, I mean, he has the highest percentage in league history. You know, yeah. you look at some of those guys, but if you just go down the list, I mean, 
it's uh, it's sad and game games on the line. And you know, I was actually talking um, to one of our buddies yesterday, and he said he had read a thing on um, the fact that of poor coaching for kickers, and that I just don't understand. As a former high school coach, big deal, but. We preach how important special teams are, and that it, you know it's equally as important as the other two um, areas of the game. And this is points and games that are lost. And if you don't have quality coaching and film breakdown, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe what he told me is completely um, out of it. But from what he read or what he heard on wherever he was, was the fact that these guys just basically go and kick. And there's no, like, they're, they're not breaking down technique. They're not, uh, uh it's they're like not the baseball that just goes up to the plate and swings and doesn't watch film or. Yeah, but they're the bad coaches, right? Yeah, I, I know. know. You just, just think that the, the, the game, you know, there's been games already just lost on just sheer shank, right? Like not even, it's not even clutch. Like, oh, we're going to go kick a, you know, 59 yarder to, to win the game, it's you know it's a chip shot. Some of them, anyways. That's because we're not necessarily in the fantasy killing the name of, but that's one thing that I really want to kill in the name of just football in general. That it's a um, it's a tragedy, really. That uh, well, but it could be fantasy though too. Like you're right, that guy that needs like two points. Your kicker goes out there. Oh, the talker goes out there. He nails that kick at the end of the game. You win your week. Yeah, for like sure. Chip shot for an NFL kick, chip shot like what, thirty-five, forty yards? It should be. Yeah, it was an extra point. Percent. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a gimme. And Absolutely. he makes that, you win. Uh, and then he misses it, and now you don't. So it could be fantasy. But. It could be fantasy. I guess yes. You're a hundred percent right. I actually want to look up the stat now on Hawker because I'm sure they said he played in the MLS. He was a goalie. And then he went back to school or something. Um, I thought they said it went, went crazy. But maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was somebody else. But I'm just looking on his Wikipedia page here quick. But there's nothing. Um, I'm going to edit it right now and just say that he was so that they say that stat. There you go. <laughs> on, you know what I mean? Well, according to yep. his Wikipedia page. Uh, yep, put it on there. Um, yeah, no, I don't see it. Anyways, all right. So those, that's something I wanted to uh, kill in the name of fantasy football, and uh, just mentioning the Eagles, which I'm sure everybody's um, upset with too, including Eagles fans. I can't, I can't imagine being an Eagles fan right now. You have all the hype, right? You're gonna win the Super Bowl. Chip Kelly, I just, I get a kick out of him on the sideline. Like he just looks like an arrogant piece of shit out there. <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad they play. He just looks like shit's just going awesome for him. Like, and it's his team, right? Like, he made all the trades. He made all the moves. He drafted all the guys he wanted. This is his team. It's a business. Oh, I know. Yeah. He's got, his, he's got the toys he wants there, man. That's, yeah. Uh, but at least he's it's... an evaluator, then. Yeah. On, like, on uh, I guess, to their benefit, that division is so... Terrible. Yeah, that they could, they could very easily come out on top. You watch the Giants wind up sneaking in the town. Whatever. 
All right. Well, um, that is uh, the week five in the books, uh, episode 124 already, Slim. We missed Blister tonight, so we didn't do Killing in the Name of, but uh, we did lots to get you ready for week five. Again, if you have Twitter, or sorry, if you have lineup questions coming into the weekend, don't be afraid to get a hold of us at Fantasy Auction. And uh, we'll, we'll do our best to give you some feedback on what our thoughts are for, for lineups. Um, if you like what we're doing here, don't be afraid to head over to iTunes and give us a, a rating and uh, subscribe so that this is always ending up right on your phone exactly when you need it. You don't have to go hunting for it. And don't forget, you can go to our website. We have rankings we update every week, too. So if you, um, if you liked what we did heading into the regular season when you're drafting your team, don't be afraid uh, to use us week by week, too. We have um, updated rankings each and every week. And finally, if you're playing DFS, if you're playing DFS and you're looking to do especially some head-to-heads where you can get your little 50-50 money back um, and start to make, create a little bit of a bankroll, head on over to Win Today, Win Today Fantasy Sports. Is that what they changed their name to? Go to our website, um, and uh, you can uh, under our podcast there'll be a link to um, uh, our, our promo code. So if you uh, head on over to their site and use promo code auction, um, you can get a 50% match on, sorry, 100% match on your, I'm really blowing this uh, commercial here, but uh, you get a 100% match of up to 50 bucks. So you put 50 bucks, they put 50 bucks right in and you can play it all in that week if you wanted to. It's not a trickle in. And if you want to know the truth about these uh, amazing bonuses of FanDuel and DraftKings, then uh, just read it. I've got I've got the uh, the stats right there of the trickle in at four percent on both of those sites. So if you're playing DFS and um, you're looking for a different site to play on, where it's uh, low key and the big whales aren't out there, um, click on no the insider on trading. No insider trading. That's right. That would have been another thing to kill in the name of fantasy football. Wish I would have yeah. had a little bit more data on that. Actually, my mom texted me. This afternoon, and said, "That doesn't affect you guys, does it?" Like my mom, she's seventy. Oh, whatever. Still like, she's <laughs> I'm pulling my mom. Not she was paying attention. She was paying yeah. attention. So that, well, that's the fantasy football. Maybe that's something to do with Shane's uh, podcast. <laughs> Ooh, I'm uh, all good. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. It has something to do with FanDuel, she says. Anyways, uh, that's the end of episode 124. Um, Slim, I won't see you tomorrow, but I will on Thursday. I'm back in the office, baby. Sweet. Long show. And for the rest of you, I'll see you when it's springtime in the Rockies. When it's springtime in the Rockies, I'll be coming.